Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all well. Yeah. Spiritual father, what a responsibility. <laughs> Though Paul said you have many teachers, but not many fathers. Well, bless your hearts. It's the Father's Day, and it's, it's funny. Over the years, as I look back on my records of preaching, it seems like I always tend to get the father, Father's Day gig, as it were. <laughs> it's true, but I enjoy it. So, this morning, or this afternoon, because I, I preached this twice, you see, so that's why. We're going to look at an Old Testament character. And if you know your Old Testament, this book is it's right between Judges and 1 Samuel. It's the wonderful book of Ruth. It's only four chapters, so you can read it without falling asleep. Because, you, know, you know, somehow, you know, people say, yes, we would encourage you to read your Bible. But what we find, and those of us who are let's put it this way, older in age, we find that reading can sometimes be soporific. Now, some of you know what the word means. It means to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so you read your Bible and all of a sudden the words are moving. <laughs> but we're going to actually read about the beautiful story of Ruth, and we're actually not going to just focus on Ruth. Huh? The preacher in there somewhere. However, what we would suggest, oh, beg your pardon, I'm just distracted for a moment. Excuse me, we have a kids' room just at the back there, so if you could take her there, that would be fantastic. That would really help us. You'd still be able to hear the sermon. Great, thank you very much. We're going to, as I said, look at the book of Ruth, and we're going to actually focus on Boaz. Wonderful character. And if you know the story, Ruth married and then her husband died. In fact, she was one of two sisters. She was a Moabitess. And instead of going back to her own land, she decided to stay with Ruth and go back to Bethlehem, which was in Israel. And we're going to pick up the story when Ruth now meets Boaz. And what we're going to see is Boaz has many characteristics of a good father and of our heavenly father. So... Here we go. And for those of you who are, you know, historians and you want to know the period of time, it's 1312 BC, long time ago. Now, let's read Ruth uh, 2, 1 to 9. If you have your Bibles, please, uh, you can flick to it. Otherwise, it will be coming up in the screen. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Emelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, and the Marbite, Ruth the Marbite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. And it turned out she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Amalek. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. If they were Anglicans, they would have said, and also with you. <laughs> Boaz asked the overseer and his harvesters, what does, who, is that, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So she came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest 
in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. So there we have the story. So then, uh, Boaz is a, a rich and wealthy and godly man. And obviously someone that is well loved by his employees. Because you see the greeting he gives and the response is, is really great from the harvesters. However, Boaz's attention is drawn to Ruth. He, you know, he says, who does that young woman belong to? So, it's interesting because as I began to study this and look at this more closely, it's useful to go to the Hebrew because you can find out the name. Boaz, actually in Hebrew, means strength. Is that good? It means strength. So, what he did was, he, he, he used his strength to protect this attractive and vulnerable young woman. And you know, it also tells us about what we are as fathers, that with our kids, we want to use the strength, the benevolent strength that God gives us. You see, I came from a tradition, particularly in the evangelical church, that the, the men particularly, you know, they would quote Ephesians chapter 5, wives submit to your husbands. Yeah? They, good, they were good at that. Uh, they didn't see the other text which says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's more work. But it was very patriarchal. It was very controlling. So, you know, wives had to submit and some of them had to wear scarves and all this kind of stuff. But that's actually not what we're talking about here. That's not the, the right use of that benevolent strength. It's actually there to protect and provide. That's the model we see here with Boaz. He protected and provided for her. Now, one of the interesting things as I studied this a little bit further, I, I was looking at a book by Lisa Guinness, and she said this, talking about us as fathers. Our father had the privilege of modeling good humanity to us so that we want to belong to the human race and find our way into it by him. So what our fathers were there to do was to model good humanity to us to show that benevolent strength in a way that will be a model for the future. Boaz provided not only protection for Ruth, but provision, allowing her to walk, work in the fields and obviously some water for her as well. Now, it's interesting because one of the things that occurred to me was he said to her, work in these fields. So what he was doing there, he was putting some boundaries in place. Yeah? He said, if you work here, there will be provision for you and protection for you, and that's the boundary. One of the things we as fathers have to do is put boundaries for our families. As I said in the service earlier, it seems that the mission of children is to break them. <laughs> you know, their mission in life is to break any boundary that your parents put in place. But ultimately, they are there for our safety. So one of our goals as fathers is to put those boundaries in place. And Boaz did that for Ruth. 
Now then, and, 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 and in one sense, you see, we can see how these characteristics in Boaz, but I want to take it to another level. Come with me now to Ruth chapter 2, when, verses 10 to 7, where we begin to see how Boaz begins to demonstrate some of the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Kindness, affection, and inclusion. And read it with me. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me as a foreigner? Baris replied, I've been told about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Barah said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine and vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got to, to, up to glean, Baraz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves. Don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until the evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered. And it amounted to being an epitaph. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. I'm resisting not to want to comment on every verse. But anyway, here we go. Ruth first. She had been acknowledged. She had been noticed. And the key thing here is that, you see, God, your heavenly father, he notices you. Sometimes you think that you can hide from him. Or more importantly, what happens is you don't think that you are worthy. Or you don't think that he knows your stuff. But you have his attention. Because he's your father. And the other thing is that she said, I am a foreigner. You know something? God loves foreigners. He loves migrants. He loves refugees. Irrespective of what's going on in our society, God has a heart for the outcast. He has a heart for the marginalized. He has a heart for those who have been put to the side, who are homeless. And if you want to know why, in Exodus 2, 23, 9, he says this to Israel. Do not oppress the foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners where? In Egypt. You see, God is the ultimate father. Paul in Ephesians tells us that every family that gets its name is named by the father in heaven. Ephesians 3, 15. And he always has a heart for the foreigner. And the lonely. That's why we read in Psalm 68, 6, that he puts the solitary where? In families. So 
you, you might feel that you are a foreigner. You might feel that you don't belong. You might feel that this is not the place you're in. Let me tell you something. God is inclusive. He wants to bring you home. Boaz also acknowledges her testimony and the price that she has paid to cling to Ruth. You see, she, she was a Moabitess, and if you know anything about the Moabites, actually, they came from a rather unfortunate situation. Lot, unfortunately, when he ran away from, the, from Sodom and Gomorrah that God was going to destroy, the Moabites came out of the incest with his two daughters. So not a great lineage there. Not at all. You can read it in Genesis 19. However, he sees what she's done. He sees the sacrifices that she has made. And it's not forgotten. And let me just say something. For some of you, you've had to leave what you know. You've had to maybe do so because for your own safety. Maybe you've gone through great darkness and pain and estrangement from your family. But God knows your heart and he knows your pain. And the beauty of this, he says, she finds refuge under God's wings. That's in Psalm 91. He that abides under the shadow of the Almighty, he should, he should find protection. He should not fear that the deadly pestilence that comes by day or the arrow that comes by, by night, the other way around. But here's the point. She had chosen to make the God her refuge, not her people. I don't know. You know, how many of us have had our hopes dashed? How many of us have, well, let me put it this way. You know, we're really well defended. We've got all our life together. And then crisis comes. It could be that we, we lose a loved one. Or it could be that we lose a job. Or it could be we experience sickness. Or it could be that at work we lose the job. And all of a sudden, the defenses that we have are all thrown. It's at that point, friend, that you need to make the Lord your refuge. You see, when you feel vulnerable, you see, the, the trouble is, you see, many of us, we have to have our strategies in place to live. But what happens is things impact us, and what God's plan is to smash the strategy so that we make him our refuge and not our own defenses. It's at that point that God can now begin to provide for us. It's at that point that he can pour in oil and wine, as it were. It's at that point he can come in and be our refuge. All right. Come to the heart of the text here. Let's look at Ruth 2, 13 to 14. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease, isn't that tender, by speaking kindly to your servant. Because she sees herself as an outcast. Though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, said to her come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine and the vinegar. As I think about this sermon, I should have just preached this text because this is just so good. So often, our society talks about inclusion 
However, what it does is actually excludes us and marginalizes people. However, Boaz, like God, our Heavenly Father, he comes over to us, and when we feel vulnerable, and when we feel insecure, he comes over us to us and he says, come over here. Come over here. Come over here. When we feel low, he says, look, come over here. Leave the thing that you went to for your comfort. Come over here. And he says it so tenderly. You know, for years we've managed to all eyes so well and blah, 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 and then boof. And the father's sitting there. And this is the picture I had as I was preparing. The father's sitting there waiting for you to come. The question is, will you come? Scripture talks about Israel having broken cisterns, where they were going for water, but the cisterns were broken. And the father was saying to them, come to me. You've got broken strategies. Will you come over here to me? And I will comfort you, and I will minister to you, and I will store you, and I will pour in oil and wine. Take your bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. You see, God's intention was for us to live as creatures, not as creators. And so often we've chosen to be the creator and the master of our own destiny. And God sat there and waited and waited and waited, and then what's happened? Calamities come, and then he's asking us, will you become the creature? And will you come over here? Let me clothe you. I can imagine in the garden when Adam and Eve had failed God, and they tried to put fig leaves together, not fig leaves, but leaves together, and they didn't have covering. He had to say to them, come over here. And they had to watch as they saw an animal killed and that's the animal was skinned and he provided coverings for them. And if a father wants to provide covering for you this morning, whoever you are, he wants you to finish with the strategies you have used to manage your life and come to him here so he can minister life to you and cover you the way he's always wanted to cover you. He wants to... Yes, his blood to cleanse you from your sin, but he wants to comfort you, oil to make your heart rejoice. He wants to pour oil on some of those wounds. He wants to have wine. <laughs> those of us who evangelicals always thought, yes, it was to pour on an antiseptic. I think he wants you to drink it. And what he's talking about is that you might know rejoicing again. That's what he's talking about. Joy. You've lived sadness. You've had a life of sadness and pain. But the Father says, Come over here. Come over here. You will be allowed to receive comfort, affection, attention. And it's not based on your performance or your service or your standing, but on your position, who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a son and daughter of God, not born of the will of man or of blood, but born of God. You're a partaker of the divine nature. God's love is upon you. Therefore, when you come, you receive everything that is yours, that is inherited because of what Jesus has done for you at Calvary. So come here. Where am I preaching now? 
Man, I know God hears my prayers. Here's your prayers, man. Them guys pray for me now. I'm really doing it. <laughs> and you know, look at the text. Also, where it says there that they dropped bundles of stuff. That's it. it says actually says there that they dropped bundles of provision. Verse 15 and 17 for Ruth. <laughs> How many of you have known God just drop? a bundle of provision for you. Yeah, you had a bill. You didn't know how you was gonna pay it. You had a problem. Where was the money gonna come from? And a letter comes through the door. And it's the right amount of money. Or you lose the job and you're wondering what God's gonna do. I've been there, know that. And God says, no, I'm gonna provide for you. Trust in me with all your heart and I will direct your path, Proverbs 3, 5. And what happens? You see God's provision time and time and time again. He's a good, good father. He drops bundles of stuff intentionally for you. Is that good? He's got, he has, put it another way, Isaac and, 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 and Abraham are going up the mountain and Isaac says to, to Abraham, who's going to be the, the, the sacrifice? What? He doesn't know there's a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. God's provision. Just a different picture, same picture, same outcome. He drops stuff for you. In the Jamaican community, you know, when you're talking some of the old-time Jamaican people there, they, they always say to you, the Lord will provide. You know? Because that was their testimony. Am I, it's true, isn't it, Louis? It's true. The Lord will provide. You see? He's going to drop some bundles, some sheaths for you, just at the time when you need it, boom, from heaven, fresh, into your bank account if it's what you need, so that you can do what you need to do. Hey, bless. It's good preaching. Now let's get on. <laughs> Finally now, we want to just look at Boaz in terms of his integrity. The situation is now that Naomi, being a wise mother-in-law says my daughter let me seek some security for you now do this put on your fine clothes wash yourself you know don't put perfume on because they don't they have perfume but if they did it with the eau de cologne whatever now make yourself beautiful and go now Boaz let me use a modern day idiom he likes to have a few beers a few sherbets right with his mates so now I've got you now you see so he's having a few sherbets with his mates, and he makes merry, and he goes to this particular place. Now, when he's there, and he's merry, and he's now tired, what I want you to do when he falls asleep, I want you to lie down at his feet. So let's pick it up from there. She's lying at his feet. He is startled. So he says, who are you? He asked. Oh, I am your servant, Ruth. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after younger men, which whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you as you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. I like the, the New American Standard says, you're a woman of excellence. I love that. Put your name in there, ladies. You're from Elizabeth. You are a woman of excellence. Yeah. 
although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Fearless Lord. Now, remember who Boaz is. Boaz is a rich man. I'm sure there were many women that would be looking for him. And he could have taken advantage of the situation, but he didn't do that. And after all, I mean, she was just a Moabite, she was just a young woman. Well, no one would know, would they? But he didn't do that. He acts with integrity and kindness. And the beauty of it is he protects her integrity as well. Because he said, look, to his friends, you make sure no one knows that this woman came here. He said, yeah. Now, let me just say to you, one of the, the things about us particularly as men, is that God challenges us to have integrity, not just in the big things, but in the small things, because this was private. No one would have seen if he decided to take Ruth, but he didn't do it. And you see, Jesus said, you know, we're about, about practicing your righteousness before men. You see, it's what you do in secret that really counts. It's those decisions not to do what everybody else does. They fiddle the expenses. You don't do it. They go to the office party. Some girl makes a pass at you, but you decide, no, you're not going to do that. Because there are bigger issues here. It's those small acts of integrity that God notices. The things that you do in private are who you really are. And Chris said, you know, I'm talking to the men. We have the responsibility to model both publicly and privately the kind of life of integrity that befits someone who is a follower of Jesus. As fathers, the acts of integrity that we carry out in private can and will have far-reaching impact even on generations yet born. And if you understand that, what I've just said there, you will understand that when Ruth and Boaz got together because the person who was supposed to redeem her didn't want to, and that was great for him, so he was able to redeem her, she became his wife, and they had a son. And their son was Obed. Obed had a son, his name was Jesse, and Jesse had a son, and those that know your Bible know that that was David by far the most important king in, in, the, in the life of Israel and the king by which every other king by, in both kingdoms will be judged. He was the plumb line. But they didn't know, because it would be 300 years further on, that that act of integrity would bring a Moabitess into the line of David and, into David, and David would be the greatest king in Israel. 
You don't know, friends, how your acts of integrity, the impact it will have on generations. All right, then, let's conclude. Band, if you could come, please. Oh, mercy. Okay. <laughs> I'm enjoying it, and that's the problem. <laughs> All right, let's just conclude here. In Boaz, we are challenged as fathers to make provision and provide protection and boundaries for our family. In Boaz, we see the ultimate heavenly father who is affirming, kind, and inclusive. In Boaz, we see the importance of private acts of integrity and the impact it can have on the future. And finally, in Boaz, we see the benevolence, we see benevolent strength in action. Please would you stand? Because I know that God was speaking to me very much as I was preparing this message. And it was very interesting that Chris should talk about those people who had been, as it were, moving away from the Lord. You know, they were, oh, what was the phrase you used? Drifting, that's the word, drifting. Because I felt God was saying very much to those of you who are drifting, he's saying, come over here. Come over here. And that's a word for you this morning. If you've been drifting, if you know that you've been managing your life, okay, apart from God, yes, you're a follower of Jesus and all of that stuff, but you've just been getting on with it and doing all the things. And the Father just wants to say to you, look, come over here. Take your bread. Dip it in the wine and the vinegar. In other words, come. Receive life, receive hope, receive peace. Let me comfort you. For some of you, you just won't let Jesus hold you. For some of you, you just won't let Jesus hold you. And he wants to hold you, friends. But you've got to come over here. So for some of you this morning, as we have our ministry time later, you need to come over here so that you can allow the Father to hold you. So in a sense, he can pour in some oil and he can restore your joy. And you can decide to be a creature and not a creator. And allow the Father of lights to whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning comfort you in the deep places of your heart so that you know his affection, you know his affirmation, you know his attention, and you know his advocacy in a deep and real and experiential way. And the love of God can be poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come quickly, you will be done the same. Oh, as it is 
Father, we bless you that you are our Heavenly Father. And with you there is no darkness because you live in the light. And as we live in the light with you, we have fellowship with one another and your, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that you are a generous Heavenly Father. You give in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You pour it into our laps. Thank you that you are the ultimate Father. The ultimate Father. You do all things well. We bless your name. At the beginning of the service, we have a, a group who pray and answer words of knowledge. That's what we call them. And if any of these words 
actually resonate with you, we would love to pray for you. If you go to my right, your left, there's a ministry team there and they'll be happy to pray for you. Also, if you know that the Father is saying, come over here, you need to go there too. And if you don't know this Jesus, whom we love, and you'd like to meet him, you come too. So, if there's someone here with head pain, a man with a pain in the right ear, someone with a loss of hearing in the right ear, someone with respiratory problems, coughing and blood, a man with a, a golf injury, a child who is struggling to sleep, an older man with a limp and a stick on the right leg, a man with a pain in the lower left back, we've got some people here with breathing problems, and a man with osteoporosis. Osteoporosis. That's it. If any of those resonate with you, we'd love to pray for you. Now the blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his good face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may you know his peace, may you know his provision, may you know his protection, may you know his pleasure from this day and always. And everybody said, Amen. The Lord bless you. Tell someone about Jesus and bring them along. Thank you.